0: the James chapter one, it's in the New Testament, and we're gonna be camped out on verses one all the way to 12 today. So this is what the word of God says, hallelujah, come on. James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are scattered abroad, greetings, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith brings about perseverance. And let perseverance have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach. And it, is, it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, doubting nothing. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, Verse 7 For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double minded man, unstable in all of his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to boast in his high position, and the rich man is to boast in his humiliation, because like the flowering grass, he will pass away. Verse 11. For the sun rises with a scorching heat and withers the grass, and its flower falls away, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed, so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to all of those who love him hallelujah come on receive the word of God in your heart this morning amen there's people out there in the world today you know as good as well as I do they are experts in making what is known as counterfeit money you you know what I mean but people just don't do this with money when I was in high school a few of my friends they were big time into collecting tennis shoes into collecting Jordans but a problem with collecting shoes is that there are people actually on the internet that try to sell you fake shoes for the price of the real one did you know that (laughs) I've had friends that they would be testing whether or not they were buying the fake ones or not and in the same way the Lord has put on my heart so heavy this morning that we need to be testing our faith brothers and sisters to determine whether or not our faith is real or not. We need to be testing areas that may be weak and areas that may be strong. People, when buying and collecting shoes, they make mistakes. I have seen it. And I think there are people here this morning, probably 95% of us, you would say, my faith in God is absolutely 100% real. Well, James this morning In in the first chapter, right at the start of his letter, he is going to put your test to the faith. Uh, He's going to put your faith to the test under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And this is the truth. Because to have a, a fake faith or a counterfeit faith doesn't mean you just lose a few dollars. You don't just lose a few dollars like my friends did whenever they would buy a fake pair of shoes but to have a a fake faith or a counterfeit faith actually means eternal destruction it means separation from God forever and ever and James this morning the one who wrote this he doesn't want anyone here at Oaks Church to have the fakes He desires for every person here to have faith that stands strong no matter what trial comes your way, no matter what storm comes your way. He desires for you to live in such a way as that. And the writer of James that we're looking at here, just to give you a little bit of background about who he is, he is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. James, he did not believe in Jesus until Jesus rose from the dead. And, And James... He was one of the main leaders of the church in first century AD. James had a nickname back in the day. It was James the Just because James lived such a pure and righteous life before God and before man. And James was ultimately martyred for his faith in 62 AD. And the reason why I took the time just to explain to you some of those facts about the life of James is because I want you to keep those facts in mind this morning because James... What he wrote down, he lived out. Hallelujah. James is not the person. James is just, he's not the person who just taught the talk, but he walked it out with a heart that was dedicated to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that needs to be, you're in our business, no matter what, to live it out. Talk the talk all day. Preach the gospel, but to walk it out. And James is writing this letter, the Bible says, to the 12 tribes, the Jewish tribes. Believers who were scattered abroad. To put this in very simplistic forms for all of us here this morning, James is writing to Jewish people who are now Christian. And the reason why they are scattered throughout the entire Roman Empire is because of heavy persecution breaking out in 1st century AD. This was happening to the Jewish Christians and this was happening to the Gentile Christians. They were scattered throughout the entire known world at the time. So James, when he's writing this letter, his primary audience when writing this letter was Jewish Christians who had to leave their homeland. They they couldn't live in Monroe no more. They couldn't live in Calhoun no more. They couldn't live in West Monroe no more because of persecution breaking out. You, You get what I'm saying this morning? They had suffering and trials that were happening in their life right now. And James was writing hoping to give them hope, hoping to give them strength, right in the middle of tough times, right in the middle of suffering, right in the middle of confusion. And James, you're going to see this morning that he gives his reader a set of different and unique tests throughout the entire book. But James wants his reader this morning to to really determine for yourself if you've bought the fakes or not. If you have real faith, genuine faith in Christ that's been born again by the power of the Holy Ghost, or if you have fake faith. And the test James gives for us today in the first 12 verses is this one right here, and you should see it behind me. You need to write this down if you're taking notes, please. The test of perseverance in suffering. Not many amens right there. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. Biblical perseverance means this, trusting and living for God even when facing troubles, trials, or difficulties in this life. Really, what biblical perseverance is, is having the type of faith that no matter what is thrown your way, to really have the heart to say, God, I'm going to praise you. God, I'm going to worship you, even if that loved one passes. God, I'm going to praise you and worship you even if the life that I thought I was supposed to have, it's not really working out the way that I thought it was. I'm going to trust that you know more than I do. I'm going to trust you're the God, you're sovereign, you're in control of everything. Hallelujah. Lord, hey, amen. Hey, let's clap for this one. Lord, I'm going to praise you and worship you even if persecution breaks out in Jesus' mighty name. Lord says that we need to worship Him and praise Him even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of those storms, even in the midst of trials within our life. And this is the truth. God, our Father who is in heaven, He desires for every one of you to grow in such a way this morning that no matter what is thrown your way, you would have the heart to ultimately say, There's no turning back! I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and that means that the world is nasty. Hallelujah. That's the heart we need. The Lord is enough. And the Holy Spirit through James is wanting his reader and he's wanting you to know this morning at Oaks Church what truly is known as biblical perseverance. And here's the truth. When trials and troubles are coming our way, it reveals deep Deep parts of our heart that you would never see if the troubles and the trials did not come in the first place Just to get really vulnerable with you this morning In my own personal life I have seen some of the deepest parts of my own heart when storms are active in my life When trials are at work in my life I have had some tough trials growing up like not having married parents My mom, when I was younger, she was in prison most of my early childhood. My father, at the age of 13, he went to jail for a year. I had one of my best friends get shot and killed. Myself, I was a drug addict for many of years. Myself, I went to jail multiple times. And I've even had loved ones, people that I look up to, people that have discipled me. They have fallen away from the Lord. And then me and my wife, Macy, personally, Two Easter's ago we went through the toughest trial that we've gone through up until this point of our lives. Our oldest son, Judah, he had an ear infection and it went really bad, the infection spread to the outer layer of his brain and it required brain surgery. And the surgeon said if you would have got here a day later he would have been brain dead or completely dead. And it wasn't until months after that surgery, glory to God, he was in the clear. But man I'm just being real, when I faced those trials and troubles within my own life, I had two choices. I could persevere. Like I could go forward in my walk with God. I could praise them in Jesus' mighty name. Or I could have done the second one. I could have gone. I could have went backwards. I could have backslid in my walk with God. And how Joseph up here preaching this, how I handled those trials and troubles in my life revealed whether or not my faith was genuine or not. Whether or not I had the real faith or the fake faith. And the same goes for you this morning. When you are in the midst of trials and troubles, when, when you are faced with trials in this life, God wants you so much to pay attention to how you respond. Because the way you respond reveals what's deep in the heart. And I'm going to say this, it reveals what's really in your heart. It reveals the rawest and truest parts of your heart. And what I have found is so many Christians don't think like that. I mean, just for an example, when's the last time you have gone through something very tough in life and you've just gone outside at night or in the morning or just escaped the world and just went to be alone with God and asked the Lord, God, how am I doing with this? Lord, I just had one of my best friends get shot and killed to death. Father, how am I doing in the midst of this? Am I angry at you? Am I happy? Am I joyful? Like, God, help me through this trial. Lord, I'm having marriage problems. Father, help me how to love her like Christ loved the church more. Lord, what are areas in my life that I personally need to change? Lord, a loved one just died way before I thought thought they had 50 years left and they just passed away. Lord, how am I doing in the midst of this suffering, in the midst of this trial that I'm going through? So many Christians never take time when going through trials to go to God for a time of reflection. And I'm sure 99% of us here this morning when we got ready in the morning we looked in the mirror, amen? And we do that, let's just be real, easily for the physically. Probably more than we ought to, amen? So how much more this morning should we be doing that in our walk with God for our own walk with the Lord, for our own heart? I believe wholeheartedly we should be running to God for a time of reflection when troubles and trials are coming our way. And during that time of reflection, you're going to discover for yourself if your faith is real or not, if, you're, if your faith is mature or not. And if you don't have that time of reflection, I guarantee you this, you're going to miss it. And it will be next to impossible for you to experience what is known as biblical perseverance in this life. That's what I really think verse 2 is talking about when James uses that word consider. In verse 2 it says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. We must this morning be at a place in our walk with God where we take time to consider what God is doing in our life. We need to have that time to look in the mirror spiritually, to consider the trials that we are going through. And I know it is tempting for us to just veg out on Facebook, for us to veg out on Netflix, but the Lord this morning says, don't veg out on those things, run to the Lord when you are in the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering. Don't run to the world, run to the things of God, run to your Father who is in heaven. For a time to consider what God is doing in your life. That's a mark of a mature Christian. That's a mark for someone who is off the milk. Hallelujah. And trials and troubles in this life can be such a beautiful season. And I know that's not a very amen statement right there, but trials and troubles can draw you more near to the heart of God than any other season. Hallelujah. For the most part, if I'm just being real with you, When I have gone through trials and troubles in my own life, those seasons, I oftentimes had my greatest and biggest encounters with God ever. And for people who I truly believe are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, when these trials and troubles come your way, you are drawn so near to the heart of God. It's a hard season, amen, but this is the great news. It is a maturing season. It is a sanctifying season in Jesus' name. And what James is getting at right here in these 12 verses is how you respond to trials and troubles is a test from the hand of God to see how you respond to troubles in your life. To see if you're going to curse God like Job's wife wanted him to do. Or if you're going to have the heart of Job to say the Lord gives and the Lord takes in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Come on. Now for the rest of this message this morning, what the Holy Spirit through James is going to let us all know is what perseverance really looks like. It's very practical in the Christian life, what James is getting at. James is oftentimes, quote, known as throughout all of 2,000 years of church history, the most practical book in the New Testament. James is going to give us the blueprint in verses 1 all the way to 12. And what you will soon notice is that this blueprint has five and unique different keys. And all five keys are actively needed in all of our lives if you are going to experience a biblical perseverance no matter what comes your way. And I want to challenge everyone this morning like I've been challenging my own self. As we are discovering the five keys that will allow you to experience biblical perseverance, the challenge and test for you and I this morning is this. When trials and trouble come our way, do we respond the way James tells us we should respond. And what you're also going to see this morning is not only is this a test from the Holy Spirit, but it is the God-given blueprint we as Christians must have when we are facing trials and troubles in this life. If we are going to experience biblical perseverance, and right when we dig into the scripture, most of you are going to say, there's no way I can live like that. There is no way, James, there is no way I can live out what he is writing now. But I want to build up your faith this morning and just remind you, with God, all things are possible in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? You can go through trials and still be praising Jesus. Amen? So let's really discover this morning how can we experience biblical perseverance when facing trials and troubles. James in verse 2 gives us the first key. It's found right here. Consider it all joy, my brothers, (laughs) amen. When you encounter various trials, James tells us right off the bat, the first key is to have a joyful attitude, come on. You see, joy does not come from what's happening on the outside of the body. I've heard many people say in my Christian life and even before I was a Christian, people all the time said, man, that gave me joy. Man, I just took my two weeks of vacation. We went on a great family vacation. It gave me so much joy. Man, my new truck and car, that thing gives me so much joy. Oh, you see this new jacket I'm wearing? Oh, this thing gives me so much joy. But the truth is that that's not joy at all. That's actually what is known as happiness, Because we as humans, we can experience this thing called happiness whenever outside circumstances allow us to feel feelings of happiness on the inside. But joy never comes from outside circumstances. True biblical joy in the Bible is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That always, always happens on the inside. And it impacts the way you view circumstances and situations around you. Come on. For example, I I sat down, found out Tuesday I was preaching this. And then Wednesday comes, I'm at the coffee shop. And Macy gives me a phone call right when I'm about to start on the message. He says, Judah, our oldest son, just overdosed on Tylenol. I said, what? She said, yeah, Judah woke up early and went in the medicine cabinet, unscrewed the Tylenol, and just started chugging away. And onto the counter, there's Tylenol spilled all over the ground. And apparently Macy asked Judah, Judah, how much Tylenol did you drink? And he said, super lot. That's all he said and Macy immediately called poison control and they said you need to rush him to the ER so I'm sitting there about to work on my you know suffering and trials message and and all of a sudden I said well no working on the message for me I headed home and immediately I took Judah to the hospital to see if my child overdosed on Tylenol on Wednesday and as I'm in the car I responded you know probably how any other human would would respond I didn't have the best attitude even on the phone with my wife, I was like, oh, my goodness. Are you serious? Like, he, he swallowed what? Tylenol? Overdose on Tylenol? And I'm not in the good mood. And all of a sudden, James chapter 1, verse 2, comes to my mind immediately when I'm driving. And I kid you not, I'm not making this up. I wasn't in a good mood. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to start praising God. So I'm sitting there driving my little red car, and I just started shouting out, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to praise you no matter what. Even if my child overdoses on Tylenol, I'll lift up the name of God. Hallelujah. And I'm not making this up. I just start screaming in my car. And the person next to me probably thinks I'm a lunatic, but I am a lunatic for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And and to be real with you this morning, I was able to do that in light of that situation I was in because the Holy Spirit can give joy to a person no matter what is happening on the outside. Nothing, and I mean nothing, should be able to steal the joy that Christians are supposed to have because the Holy Spirit lives in our heart and it gives us the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is known as joy. And most people we have such, I would even say, a sinful, wrong view of joy because we so oftentimes think the promotion brings joy. The new house is going to bring the joy. The new surgery to make me look better is going to bring me joy. Maybe you think always having some type of fake smile on your face is going to bring you joy. Or we were just at Starbucks this morning and we were talking about Lane wants to take his family to Disneyland. And the the guy working right across from us, the barista, he said, that's going to bring her so much joy, your daughter. And I'm like, that's happiness. (laughs) It's not joy, man. Come on. True, true biblical joy is drawing nearer to God. True joy is becoming more and more sensitive to God's presence, to God's love, to God's goodness, and God's grace within our life. True joy does not come from what's happening around you, but true joy comes from what's happening on the inside through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is how, this is how a person in James chapter 1 And this is how a person born again by the power of the Holy Spirit that is sitting in these chairs, how we can go through hell on earth but still praise our God. And that's why you hear of people throughout church history that were part of the Christian group known as the Moravians. And on October 8, 1732, a Dutch slave ship left the harbor headed towards the Danish West Indies. And on board of this certain slave ship were two of the first Moravian missionaries. Their names were John and David. John and David sold themselves into slavery so that they could witness the people in chains more effectively. I mean, come on. What a powerful story of these two men in the 1700s. This is what I believe. These two men had joy, which many Christians living in our day and age know nothing about myself included and James starts off this entire letter telling people who are scattered abroad because of mass persecution breaking out in their land to count it all as joy James isn't like most of us today right into this people group saying it's going to get better soon but James said count it all joy as Christians, you and I, we must have a joyful attitude when going through trials, when going through troubles in this life. And it is possible. Don't tell me it's not impossible. It is possible because joy comes from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from the Disneyland. It comes from the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Period. That's it. And the second key that we all need to experience biblical perseverance in our Christian life is found in verse three of James one and it says this. Knowing that the testing of your faith brings about perseverance. Key number two is this, please write this down. Having an understanding mind. You must understand within your mind that when our faith is tested, It 100% brings about perseverance for the person who was born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes? And I, I need you to catch this. You must notice how I did not say churchgoer. Because you can be a churchgoer, but that doesn't mean you are born again by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. I have seen many times, and I've only been a Christian for about seven years. I have seen so many times when the temperature of life is turned up in a person's life, that's truly when you see their true colors. And those true colors were there all along. God will put people through a test in this life to see where their true heart is. And that's when we must have a understanding mind to know that we would never experience biblical perseverance without the testing of our faith. Come on. We need to have a understanding mind that truly believes within our heart that trials and troubles in this life are actually God's grace in our own life that causes us to mature and grow. And without that, we would never grow in the first place. Without the trial, There is no such thing as growth. And the third key that we need to know this morning is actually found in verse 4. It says, And let perseverance have its perfect work, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I believe the key word for us right here in verse 4 is the word let, which I truly believe through prayer and studying means this. We need to have a heart that says let God's will be done and not my own. Verse 4 is talking about how we should have the heart and desire the heart that wants our spiritual maturity to grow and to grow. Verse 4 starts off with, and let perseverance have its perfect work. You know as good as I do, we've already mentioned it a few times, but when trials and troubles come your way, they are some of the most maturing seasons of life they some of the most growing seasons of our entire life. Those seasons are meant to drive you to your knees more than any other season of your life. And, and, and this is biblical. Jesus had this heart that James is talking about in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right before the greatest trial, the greatest time of suffering a human would ever go through, look at what Jesus did. Luke 22, verse 42. Father... If you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. Jesus understood within the depths of his heart, the only way out of the trial is through the trial. And Jesus knew that the trial would bring about the perfect will of God being done within his life. Jesus had a heart. A soul and a mind and a will that said, let God's will be done and not my own. And Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the cross was coming. He knew it was going to be brutal. He knew it was going to be bloody. He knew that the wrath of God was going to be poured out upon him. And Jesus knew that he would ultimately die on that cross. But Jesus knew this is what must be done. Jesus knew this is what God the father wanted him to do so that you and I could be set free hallelujah So that you and I could be set free from our sin set free from our bondage and set free from the curse And we know Jesus did not stay dead hallelujah. What happened to our Messiah? He rose from the dead come on Hey, yes If that'll make you have a little praise break, I don't know what will. Anyone born again should be like, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! That's what I'm talking about. So I just want to challenge you this morning. When you're going through trials and troubles in this life, have the heart of our Lord. Pray for that healing. And keep praying for that healing. And keep praying for that healing. Go and lay hands upon the sick. Pray for breakthrough. Pray for deliverance. Pray for that suffering to come to an end in Jesus' mighty name. But don't forget to have the heart to say, God, I ultimately want your will to be done and not my own will. This is the heart of our Savior. This is the heart that Jesus had when he was going through trials and troubles in his own life. This is also the heart that abraham had when god told him to sacrifice his own child in genesis chapter 22 abraham in my bible it it never says that abraham argued with god not one time but abraham submitted himself to the will of god and what god was doing he was testing abraham to see if abraham would listen to god no matter what and right when we all know the story pretty much Right when Abraham was about to kill his son, God stopped him and provided a different sacrifice and the boy ultimately lived. And if you want to experience biblical perseverance, then you must have the heart that says, let God's will be done in Jesus' name. Come on, that's what it's all about. I remember when we first moved here, Macy and I, I had to take my other son, Jeremiah, to the ER. And they did a CT scan on his brain to see if he had an infection within his brain it was similar to his brothers it was swollen out his ear was like out to here well not not all the way out to there. it was like right here it was out, not trying to exaggerate but it was like it, it was different it was not like a normal like you know what i mean so we took him to the er to get a ct scan on his brain and as i'm sitting there in the hospital room i kid you not man i'm just crying it's just me and Jeremiah. You know, Macy's watching our other two kids. Jeremiah's just sitting in my lap. He doesn't know what's going on. And I just remember crying so much. And I just remember praying so much. Man, I, I pray for healing so hard. I probably rebuked sicknesses and diseases that I don't even know if they exist. That's <laughs> true. And at the end of me praying and crying out to God, I said, Lord, let your will be done. And no matter what, no matter what happens to my little boy, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. God, even if the worst circumstance happens to my beautiful boy, Jeremiah, I will still bow the knee to Christ and Christ alone. Man. That was my heart. Hallelujah. And this we must have that heart as Christians. And James chapter 1, verses 5 and 8 tells us about the fourth key that we must have an experience and perseverance in our life, says this. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, doubt in nothing. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, verse eight. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. The fourth key is this. We need a believing heart to pray. When reading the Bible, it's great to always look at context. You know, not do, like, Pastor Chad, he hit it right on the head this morning. We, it's not good to just cherry-pick verses out of the Bible. But right when I'm studying James chapter 1, and I'm looking over this and the context and everything... It seems a little funny to me that right in the middle of James talking about trials and suffering and all this stuff, it seems to me like prayer just comes out of the blue, out of nowhere. Here's prayer. He just starts talking about prayer. But it's actually not out of the blue at all. Because when you are going through trials and troubles, that's honestly seasons of life where you pray more than you ever have in your entire life. Most of the time when we are going through trials and suffering... That is some of our most prayerful seasons of life. And trials and troubles are some of the best times to go and talk to God more than you ever have. I say this, turn your troubles into a deep time of prayer and truly believe and do not doubt God. Sometimes I feel like people are shocked when hearing about certain testimonies of what God is doing in our day and age. There have been times where I've gone to conferences and I would hear a speaker speak or the preacher speak preach and they would talk about a certain miracle that happened within their life and then we would go out to lunch and go get dinner with everyone and everyone's like man can you believe that god did that i can't believe it that's just something else and i'm just sitting there like yeah i can believe that and i'm praising god don't get me wrong i'm celebrating what god's doing in jesus name but i'm like yeah I'm not shocked that God can do that. I, I truly believe that God can do anything and everything He wants to do. And I truly believe that God wants us to have that heart that does, is not shocked about the things of God, doesn't doubt the things of God. But when we hear a testimony, we say, hallelujah, that's our God. He parted the Red Sea. He can do anything and everything He wants to do. That's, that's Him just being God. <laughs> like, that's, that's God, Period. And God this morning wants you to have that heart that doesn't doubt because truly with God all things are possible. God wants you to pray for the big and pray for what seems impossible. I remember five years ago me and Macy we were contemplating on whether or not we should go back to Alaska for our second year of Bible college and I felt led that we should 100% go back but Macy I love you to death, baby girl. She didn't think that we should go back. And one of her number one reasonings, and I get it, I'm human too, um, was money. And I remember as we were living in the guest house, Todd and Gigi's house, we, we were in that guest house, and I remember we had no money. And the school year was about to start in, in three weeks. And Alaska, you know, it's like 5,000 miles away from here in Louisiana. We had no money to afford Bible college, and I, I knew that there was mail that was supposed to be coming to me. So I walk out of the guest house, and I'm just like, Lord, I know for a fact you want us to go to this Bible college. You have laid it upon my heart so much. I know we're supposed to go back and finish what we're started to do. But God, my, my wife <laughs> that you've given me does not think we should do that. So I was like, Lord, please put $5,000 in that mailbox. And I was like, I'm not making this up. I was like, Lord, I, that, that will convince her that you want us to go back to Alaska and finish our second year of Bible college. And I'm not kidding you, I doubt it zero percent. I truly believe when I reach the end of the driveway and cross the street and open that mailbox, there's gonna be 5,000 big ones right there in that mailbox. And I'm not making this up. I go to open that wonderful, beautiful mailbox, I open it up and boom, there it is. Zero dollars are up in that mailbox. I still didn't doubt though and here's the powerful part of the story instead of God putting five thousand dollars in that mailbox that day because five thousand dollars would not have paid for our school God laid it on two people's heart they paid for our entire school that year we didn't have one school bill amen amen that I mean amen I prayed big without doubt, and God answered bigger than my prayer. And I'm telling you, God will do the same in your own life. Just don't doubt. Believe all things are possible. And let's not forget to also pray for the small things. I believe God is wanting us in the year 2023 to develop a prayer life that prays for the person to be healed Pray for the $5,000 to magically and supernaturally, by the power of God, peer in the mailbox for God's kingdom. But also, we need to have the faith to pray that we're going to eat today. We also need to pray that we're going to have clean drinking water. We need to develop a life that truly prays about all things, not just things that seem impossible. In verse 5 this morning, it says, Let them ask God. That's not a a suggestion at all. That's actually a command through James from the Holy Spirit. The best thing human beings can ever do is when we're going through trials and troubles is to pray more than we've ever have. Hallelujah? Come on, that's what it's all about. And James chapter 1, verse 9 and 11 tells us our fifth and final key. That we must have an experience and perseverance in our own life. And Pastor Chad, you can come up at this point. Verse 9, but the brother of humble circumstances is to boast in his high position, and the rich man is to boast in his humiliation, because like flower and grass, he will pass away, for the sun rises with a scorching heat and withers the grass, and his flower falls off, and its beauty of its appearance is destroyed, so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. The fifth and final key that we must develop in our life if we're going to experience perseverance is a humble heart. James here in this scripture, he addresses two different people groups. He addresses the poor and he addresses the rich. And the poor he addresses first. And remember, James is writing to Jewish Christians who have been scattered throughout the entire Roman Empire due to persecution for those who were Christians. These people at one point in time would have had homes they grew up in probably for generations and generations. The business that they had for generations and generations gone overnight because of persecution. Now they're scattered throughout the entire known world forced to leave their homeland. Most of the people that James is speaking to in James James chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, the whole letter, most of those people are poor people because of their faith in Christ forcing them to leave everything and here James is writing to them to say God has honored you Like come on come on now James is saying that these people should boast in the fact that God has humbled them like this and Man, and let me just take a quick pause right here because that's not how we think here in the Church of America at all I think that James is talking about right here sometimes we just read over scripture like this and we don't allow the truth to transform our heart to transform our mind people today think poor is of the devil in America but here in my bible it tells us if you're poor you have something to boast in and people think people that are poor is a low position but my bible once again says it's a high position but we need to keep in mind don't forget these people are not poor because they're lazy I want to make that very clear these Jewish Christian believers they are not poor because of the poor choices that they have made in life they are not poor because of anything to do with sin they are actually poor because they lived radical lives for Jesus and did not bow the the knee to the Emperor of Rome These people in James chapter one, they had a humble heart that says, man, it doesn't matter if you take away my family business. It doesn't matter if you take away and burn my childhood home. It doesn't matter because I'm not denying Jesus. Hallelujah. They had that humble heart that say the Lord gives and the Lord takes, it don't matter. We are standing strong on our faith, on our rock, which is Christ. And because of that, they were extremely extremely poor because they probably had to leave their homeland with just the clothes on their back and they had a humble heart that really said we came into this world with nothing and we're leaving with Christ. Amen. Period. I'm not leaving with nothing. I'm leaving with Christ. Amen. Amen. And that's enough for G Je- that's enough for Joseph and that should be enough for you. James also wrote wrote to the rich Jewish Christians that were also scattered abroad. And he said this about the rich, that God has humbled them, but reminds them in verses 10 and 11 that they too came into this world with nothing, and they will leave with nothing other than Christ. So this morning, I have really just taken that time to share with you the God-given blueprint that we see in James chapter 1, verses 1 all the way to 12, When we go through trials and troubles, and just to give you a little friendly reminder, the blueprint of the five keys is having a joyful attitude, having an understanding mind, having a heart that says, let God's will be done and not my own, having a believing heart to pray, and last but not least, having a humble heart. This is the five keys that James gives us that are needed in every person who calls upon the name of the Lord if we are going to experience biblical perseverance when we are gone through trials and troubles and suffering in this life. This is the God-given blueprint. And now, James, what he's going to do in verse 12, our last verse, he is going to tell you and I about the wonderful reward that comes our way when and if we persevere through trials and troubles in this life. Verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Hallelujah. Right here, we get a blessed statement in Jesus. Yes, clap for the Lord. He is good and faithful. Amen. James this morning is letting his reader know, and he's letting you know this morning that you are so blessed From and by God if you make it through trials and troubles and you still praise God before the trial through the trial and after the trial you are blessed you are blessed you are blessed to have the heart of Job that says the Lord gives and the Lord takes James says you're blessed if you can do that why because you've passed the test You pass the test of perseverance while in the midst of suffering and trials. You see people's true heart when the fire of life is turned up a bit. And not many people make it through the test. Oftentimes trials and troubles is when people discover if they bought the fake pair of shoes or the real ones. And if you make it through trials and troubles with perseverance, God says, blessed are you. God says, you receive the crown of life. This is what one of my favorite teachers says about the subject we're talking about today. He says this, perseverance attests to God's approval for it gives evidence of eternal life. In other words, perseverance does not result in being saved and eternal life, but it proves that you have already been saved and have eternal life. Woo! Come on. That's what I'm talking about. It honestly blows my mind up here. Some of the things that I've gone through in life as a Christian, and I still find myself praising our King. I still find myself saying, Lord, I'm going to praise you and worship you all the days of my life until I shed this tent. And that's how Joseph Collier, up here preaching this gospel, I know within my heart, in my heart, in my heart, that I am blessed because of that. I know that I have received this crown of life. So the question for everyone here, and even me, is how do you respond when troubles and trials come your way? Do you find yourself running to God? Or do you find yourself running to the things of the world? People that are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit will go through the fire. And they will always come out more refined, more than ever. And they will 100% experience biblical perseverance that James is talking about right here. Hallelujah? Come on.